BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Good evening, listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast. Where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I was reading my brand new Chaos Twins comic that you can get starting right now at ParanoidAmerican.com. You can also go to ChaosTwins.com and get it directly from Indiegogo, except Indiegogo will hold your money for 10 days. So it'll, it'll be keeping you away from these sweet, sweet pages. And if you want them as fast as possible, you can go right to ParanoidAmerican.com. 
You got the special thanks. If you backed it, thank you. Your name's right there in the comic forever and ever, for every eternity. We'll add in the back. And uh, back the second one. The second one will be out this year. But today we're not talking about the Chaos Twins. Uh, maybe we will. Maybe we will a little bit more. But we got Mr. E uh, from Cryptids of the Corn Crew. The Clone Master J couldn't be with us. He's out doing a, a like a solo gig or something. But we got the the real brains of the operation anyways. So we don't even n- need Clone Master J is what I hear. So welcome aboard, Paranoid American. Uh, and tell people where they can find you right off the bat. Hey, thanks for having me. And like you said, I'm the great and powerful mystery is kind of the moniker uh, I go by. My real name's Justin, but that is the moniker. Uh, we're from Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Uh, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. We like to say where we're scientific and magical thinking combined. Uh, I was a basically I was a field biologist. I did stuff with eDNA, endangered species, and all kinds of goodies in between. Uh, Jay, when he's here, he's the much more conspiracy guy, and we like to mix it up and match it up in the middle. So you get a little bit of a science lesson in every episode, uh, but also plenty of the paranormal. But yeah, you can find us on all of the podcast platforms. Our website's cryptosacorn.com. We have Patreon, paid member spaces, merch, all that fun stuff. All right. Well, well welcome aboard, man. You're out of the window now. Now you're inside the room. So I there's you, yeah, you can't. Well, you can't leave now. That's that. You think you snuck in, but you're actually trapped in here with me for as long as I decide. That's fine. That's, I got as long as the beer over there on the counter doesn't run out. I'm good. Right on, right on. We, I don't have a sponsor, so I won't tell you what the label is. But yeah, we're we're cooking over here with there some we guys. Go. So first, I gotta say, no, no offense to anybody out there, especially none of my close friends. I don't really listen to podcasts. And that's not a non-endorsement of any podcast because I love a lot of them. And I, wa- I watch the clips and I talk to the people and I go on the pod, but I just don't listen to any podcasts. So um, the way that I even came across Cryptos of the Corn Crew is there's a handful of people that I I know and I, I love dearly, very close friends of mine. And like more than two or three of them were like, yo, you got to talk to these guys, cryptids of the corn crew. It's like they're new, they're up and coming, but it's the real deal. Like they know what they're doing. And I'm not just, I'm not just blowing, you know, hot, hot air up your ass. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like, please, please don't stop. But first I got to just ask you, um, like, where did the podcast come from? What's your background? Like, why, why did you decide to sit in the chair and stare at a computer screen and pretend like there's other people in the same room and talk to them? So, yeah, weird thing happens. Yeah, weird stuff happens in life and you just roll with it. Uh, like I said, I was essentially a field, a fisheries field technician, a.k.a. a field biologist. It's just a simplified version with what I did. Uh, like I said in the little intro, I did, you know, eDNA surveys. That's a big hot button topic. One of the topics we'll talk about tonight. You hear that community always use the term eDNA, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But uh, in, in endangered species surveys is a big part of my job. We found endangered species where the government said they weren't, and we'd find them. And uh, it's called extirpated, which means locally extinct. So they can still be found in other parts of their range, but the area that you're in, they're not, they're no longer found. So we actually found extirpated species. When you said the government said that they weren't, do you mean like they said that there weren't any at all there, or they said that they weren't extinct or endangered, and then you found out they were endangered? Species there. There's none of those species present. And then we'd go in and find them. They were really hopeful in some of those cases that we wouldn't find them, Uh, because there's endangered species have a lot of protection here in the U.S. 
once they're documented. Right. Like, like I heard that if I wanted to put up like a, like a, like my kid's clubhouse in the tree, but then you find out that there's like a, like a spotted horned owl in there, then like the ATF comes and shoots your dog. I'm pretty sure that's the sequence of events. Uh, I'm I'm skipping some steps, but I mean, essentially, that's. We'll send you a letter first. (laughs) It's a a sternly worded letter first. No, it's just, we'll be at your house between these dates. They're actually uh, they're actually better than Comcast though. Like they'll actually show up between those days. The window is accurate. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I uh, I worked for a private company, but uh, some of the companies we worked in partnership with, you know, everything from U.S. Fish and Wildlife, you know, a lot of the big organizations. So we got to do a lot of cool work. I'm based out of Ohio, but we did pretty much all of the Midwest and Appalachia. <laughs> Excuse me, already burping. That's how you know it's going to be a good show. So the burp meter, I got to set the burp meter up on the screen. Go ahead. (laughs) At the end of my career, I accidentally hurt myself. Uh, I basically blew my knee out and I was a field biologist. So that was ended that career, right? I couldn't go out in the field. We were at literally dragging boats through rivers Mm -hmm. of like sandbars and stuff. Have to drag boats over. So when your knee's bad. So I just started hanging around the house and drinking a lot more. And Jay is the local bowling alley or their family owns the bowling alley, but he's the bartender. So me and Jay always kind of knew of each other. Our grandpas were really good friends and our moms were really good friends, but we, there's a little bit of an age gap. So in school and stuff, we would never like see each other and stuff like that. We're right. I think we're right at six years apart. So we're right where I was always in junior high when he was in high school and he was out by the time I got in. Uh, so one night I I'm, Sorry, Wi-Fi is horrible here in Ohio. Uh, I was pretty intoxicated. I walked up to the bar where Jay was. It's really late. And I'm like, do you believe in Bigfoot? And I say it pretty aggressively. And he kind of looks at me for a second. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And so we, it, that's, we started the Hardin County Bigfoot Society after that. And it had like six members. And the Hardin County, Ohio is where we're at. That's why it's called that. Uh, and then it ended up just being me and Jay going. So we're like every week and I would put these big, like these big email lists together, these, all this research to talk about. And it just was me and Jay sitting at a table. So mm-hmm. eventually I was just like, well, buy a microphone and just record them for everybody. Cause nobody can ever make these meetings. And then which uh, we just, it, then it's blown up. Uh, you know, we just hit our millionth download like this week. Oh, wow. Congrats, man. That's huge. That's stupid. That's a stupid number. <laughs> To think somebody's listened to us ramble for nothing for a million. Well, to be fair, like nine hundred thousand of those are bots from the FBI and ATF and whatnot. So they're still our favorites. Keep those. I mean, if if they're giving you stats, they're giving you stats. I mean, keep those numbers. FBI, you you can crank it up. FBI wants to support us more than the general public. Then I guess the FBI are now our target audience. I don't really care. There we go. Uh, But that's kind of how the podcast came to be. yeah, really just a lot of whims and accidents kind of falling in line in this weird like a domino effect. And that's just how, you know, it's just one of those things. How long does it take to fill up a Lamborghini? And like how how quickly do you use all the gas in the Lambo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I drive a bus. A bus of Lambos? Man, that's just like we're talking next level. You're like beyond rapper status, aren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I drive a, I drive like a 2000 school or 2000 handicap accessible bus. 
and it takes a lot to fill it up, but it goes a long time. There's a joke here about you searching for girlfriends, but we're going to skip over it. I'm (laughs) really curious, like now that you've hit, you know, million, million downloads, huge milestone, but like, what's your five-year plan or what's your one-year plan? Like where, where's this going? Are you doing a TV show about Bigfoot society or we actually do. So the Bigfoot society is no more anymore. It's just the crypt is the core now, uh, the podcast, but we actually do documentaries and, uh, we got some bigger ones planned the next couple of years. And we let the listeners kind of pick everything. It's we're very interactive with the listener. Like, uh, we put polls out, uh, we've done a lot of crowdfunding for stuff like to go do some of these bigger documentaries because it just makes it easier on us, you know, and we can do them faster. Uh, like our Patreon, they pick all their own episodes. They pick all the topics makes it so much easier on me. Cause then I just like, if, it, if it's only 30 minutes, it's only 30 minutes is what you guys picked. But yeah, we're uh, the, that's the one year or two year plan is we have a couple more bigger documentaries coming out. Uh, the five-year plan. I have no idea. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let me ask it the five-year plan in a different way. If someone comes by and just drops, they're like, you know what? We're going to give you a dollar for every time anyone's ever downloaded your episode. Here's a mill. Here's a cool mill right now. Like what, what are the first things that you're splurging on? And I, and I don't mean, you know, like the, the, the four or five jet skis, which I know we're both going to get, oh, but like once you're done splurging on all the silly stuff, like where does the money start going to cryptids of the corn to like make it to the next level? Oh, definitely the compound. Uh, <laughs> we have a No, that's not a joke. Here there's a new tunnel system that's, that's now opened up it's back on the market. I've seen that. That one's for sale. Uh, no, uh, we have some, me and Jay have talked about this for a while now about buying a big track of land in the UP of Michigan because you can buy 500 acres with three rivers on it for nothing. We're both kind of urban homesteaders and kind of prepper type people. Define nothing. Because to nothing to me is like. Well, for 500 dollars. acres, it's like $500,000. Okay. Okay. So not, so not so, nothing, but a little. Not little nothing, but for acreage. I'm from Ohio where we have. $20,000 an acre. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, it's pennies on the dollar for trying to buy massive amounts of land here. Cause the UP is very, you know, it's very rural. It's, you know, it's pretty much, I can't believe Canada hasn't taken it back. Well, they don't really have the, the gust though. Not, no, not individual Canadians, which are the coolest people on the planet. But uh, just Canada in general. Wow. There's just the pure scum of the earth. Love just weaklings. The- Love the people, hate the government. <laughs> that's I'm more vague about it. Even the maybe the government might be good, but there's something about Canada that's good and bad. We're not. Yeah, let's let's let them be. I guess I'm just saying. There's a reason Alaska's there. Why does it cost me eight dollars to send a comic to Alaska, but it's like freaking twenty, you know, twenty eight dollars to send it to Canada when Canada's way closer than Alaska? This. <laughs> We have a listener. Now you got me on a rant already. It's the stupidest thing. We have a listener that's just on the border of like Canada and Michigan, right by our cabin, like literally just, you know, maybe a hundred more miles away. And well, we like our, our patrons get tier, like they get a gift every year kind of thing. And one of them is these little mini cryptid figures. And it was like $60 to send her, her figure <laughs> yeah, the ones that are going to Alaska. We're like seven dollars, and it's 
I'm just like, I could throw it to you. I'm like, just meet me at the border and I'll throw it over. I'll throw it over no man's land and you just grab it. Or like, hell, you can cross and I'll pay for lunch and everything. Like buy you a nice sushi lunch and you get the thing. There you go. I'm yeah, making her, I mean, make her come here. Speaking of, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the Chaos Twins comic just came out. But I'm learning that I don't know math as well as I thought I did. Uh, <laughs> because for every single one, or at least until I fix it this week, but for every single person in Australia that purchased the comic, you're welcome because it actually costs like $4 to send all those out. Those were just hemorrhaging money because for whatever reason, I assumed because I'm an idiot that, you know, if this is, if this is going to Germany and it costs this much, I mean, come on, how much farther is Australia? You know, you just take a left instead of a right at the (laughs) Arctic wall and bingo, bango. But apparently that's not the case. It costs about $40 to send a comic book from Orlando to anywhere in Australia. So anyways, shout yeah, out to uh, <laughs> Australia. Australia is our third biggest country for listeners. Uh, and we pick on them the most. I love Australia. Uh, I love Australia now, too. They're they're huge supporters, even though mm-hmm. even though they cost me money. I'm actually in the hole now because of Australian listeners. They're worth uh, it. I love them. They're wild. And you're, they're going to be paying more next time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we had to set up a T-shirt company in Australia to sell T-shirts. That makes sense, man. Be- yeah, that makes 100 percent sense. So so uh, Bigfoot. You yes. asked your your co-host. That was like that was basically the icebreaker, right? Before it started getting real hot and heavy. And I assume that your answer is that you you believe in Bigfoot too. Like when did that start and why did it start with Harry and the Hendersons? So I had yeah, I didn't grow up with Harry and the Hendersons, but uh, it's a shame. You you were robbed of a of a true childhood. I, I, it's one of my favorite movies now, but uh, I, we had a Bigfoot encounter when I was 16 at my house. Uh, it ended with uh, basically me and my brother seeing the big silhouetted Bigfoot. Uh, the dog was barking at it. We ran up to the house. Dad got the gun because it was over a two-year period. We had all kinds of stuff happening. And we thought it was a guy coming on. Our, we had a huge farm and property. And we thought it was a guy coming on the property screwing with us for two years. My mom was very, very sick with cancer. She had non-Hopkins lymphoma. So we were all kind of at our breaking point. So we come up to flying up to the house and we're balling and stuff, you know, cause we, we got scared of this it's about seven and a half foot tall, big, you know, the shoulders, the classic big head, chartreuse eyes, you know, that green, yellow color reflection, not glowing. Uh, and dad came down, we came out outside with him and it, it had just backed into the woods. We didn't know that, but it just backed up a couple dad was standing in front of the hole. It just pitch black. And he's like, okay, you MF, it's time, you know, coming out, you've scared my kids, you've tortured our family, we're done. I, I'm going to count to three, I'm going to start shooting in the woods. He counts three, nobody comes out. Uh, he aims in the canopy of the trees, shoots one time, about 10 foot from him, it sounds like a buffalo is just ripping through the woods, destroying everything, running. Dad falls and runs back up to the house. All dad would say that night is it wasn't a man, it wasn't a man. And we didn't talk about it for years after. Now we're all very open and stuff about it, especially with what I do. This is my career now. So now, you know, we do we do talk about it openly. Dad's probably listening. Hi, Dad. Uh, so that's kind of what started. And I didn't believe in Bigfoot probably three more years after that. And I'd seen one because I was getting I was gearing up to go to school to be a biologist. And biologists don't believe in Bigfoot. 
And that's wrong. Now I know that's wrong. I'm sure that'll be a big talking point for us tonight because there's a lot of biological sense Bigfoot does make. Uh, But it took years for me to come to terms with that. So when it happened with Jay is that was kind of the point in my life where I wanted to start talking about it more. And I just was, you know, I just had got drunk enough to, I, I knew Jay, I knew his family and they were always good to my family. So it was just somebody I thought, you know, wouldn't blow up at me about it. So that's kind of where that night came from. It was, it was, uh, it was just a really weird set of circumstances that all unfolded, but yeah. So if anybody at home listening doesn't believe in Bigfoot, they, they say they have to see one to believe one. I fully understand. I'm not one of those people that, you know, I've seen one and it still took me years to believe after. Uh, Cause it's a hard thing for humans to rationalize. It's once the monster is real, which I don't think they're monster monsters, but once the thing out in the dark's real, it's very hard for our psyches to handle. You can't put that back in the box. So we've talked to hundreds of eyewitnesses now, and they a lot of the people have had that kind of same feeling to where they rationalize it away immediately. You know, it was just, well, here, I'll tell you a story. One of the first reports we ever got, it was at one of the Hardin County Bigfoot uh, meetings. And it's at a bar. It's at the bar in Bowling Alley. They're Jay's family owns. And we're kind of in the back, you know, the back area, but the rest of the bar is open and everything. A farmer we know very well came up to me and Jay. And he's like, you guys believe in all that Bigfoot crap? Very aggressively. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we do. And he's like, ah, it's not real. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. It's whatever. And then he looks, he's like, but I did see something strange one night. I'm not sure what state you're in. Uh, We got skunk ape here. Yeah. So here in Ohio, we're all cornfields, especially our part of Ohio. Uh, So it's important for this story. They harvest at night a lot of the times corn. So the combines that harvest the corn have giant lights on them, like a football stadium's array of lights. So they have a reason for that or just because you don't want to waste time? No, it's for safety. You don't want to hit a post. You don't want to hit a deer. You don't want to hit a person. No, I mean, I mean, harvesting at night versus the day, or is it both? Oh, it's no, we just, we have to do both. We have such a little amount of time to harvest. Okay. Okay. So corn has to be a certain level of dryness. So once it hits that level, you harvest it before it gets too dry to get the most money for it. So when it's good, you, you just don't stop harvesting until you're done. Okay. Uh, so that's why they harvest at night. So he's like, I'm harvest harvesting at night. And he's like, a guy stood up and ran through the field. And he's like, that's not the weird part. We have people out there all the time. Uh, he had actually had a marijuana plot in the middle of his cornfield one night that a bunch of like, who, like teenagers had planted out there. So there's people out in these fields all the time. So he's like, that wasn't what was weird. He's like, what was weird was the whole time. And he, he kept saying the words himself, a big black fella. Uh, and he's, he said the whole time he was running, I could see his head and shoulders above the corn. So in Northwest Ohio, a bad year of harvest is seven foot tall corn. A good year of harvest is 10 and a half foot tall corn. So let's just say it's seven and a half foot corn or seven foot corn. 
Uh, so, you know, it's a, a head and shoulder length above that. So it'd be seven and a half. At least another foot. At least another foot yeah. and a half. So. so, and he tells us this and I'm like, so you don't think that was Bigfoot at all? He's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, so you think Shaq was out there in the middle of your <laughs> cornfield? And he just, he, and then he kind of walked away after that. He really didn't have a rebuttal. And we've had that same kind of thing happen where obviously he thinks it was Bigfoot because that's why he prefaced the conversation the way he did. That's why he came over to the two Bigfoot guys to talk about it. But once he got it off his chest, he was done with the conversation. It needed to go back into the drawer in the back of his head because he didn't want it to be real kind of deal. He wanted it to be a big teenager. And we go to conferences and we've had that same kind of thing. One guy came in and just asked if he if they could die, like if he could kill one. And he looked all upset because he's like, they've been harassing my barn for for weeks now. And is there any laws against killing one? And I'm like, not here in Ohio, but I wouldn't advise shooting at one. I, I know plenty of stories where that doesn't go good. Uh, and he just left. He left the whole conference right after that. He was happy, got his answer and left. Have you ever heard a story where someone does shoot Bigfoot and they're just like, yeah, I shot him. Here's the skin. Uh, I So we did a whole episode about two hours called Times Bigfoot's Been Killed. And a lot of them are from like the 17 and 1800s. Uh, it was with expansionism. So those ones actually were just tall black guys, unfortunately. They could have been or Native Americans. There was actually a couple of them uh, where they may have, they probably were Native Americans. We just did one in the Ozarks that was called the Blue Man because his it he wasn't blue colored. The first guy that seen him, his last name was Blue, so it's very confusing for people. They think it was a big blue giant. And no, it was just the guy that seen him. Uh, but he may have been either a wilderness man, a black man that was in the wilderness, or a feral human, which humans can go feral. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they, they shot and killed it. And they talked about it like a Bigfoot or a giant. Uh, but a lot of those ones, you could paint away like that. Some of them had some credibility. Uh, one was they killed one in Oregon or something like that. And they were actually putting on a train to go back to New York and they had to keep putting ice blocks on it, the whole body. And it was only like five foot tall. It was a young one that had fallen off a train trestle trying to get away from the train. And they shot and killed it when the, you know, it was dying, but they, they finished it off and they ended up throwing it overboard because it stunk so bad because the company in New York was only going to pay them like $5 for it. And they still had like 2000 miles to go. So they're like, it's just not worth it. Uh, more modern, there's some extremely, extremely scary encounters or stories with uh, times people have shot Bigfoot or shot at Bigfoot or going to shoot Bigfoot. One of the ones I love was a guy had walked up on a female, what he thought was a female Bigfoot, uh, digging for grubs in a rotten log. And he was panicked. He had his sidearm on and he had his hand on the gun and the gun pointed at the ground. He pulled it out of the holster. She hadn't seen him yet. And she just didn't there digging for grubs. And she was all black furred and she turned around and, you know, they, they do the side Bob. That's a weird thing. that's reported for hundreds of years now is that when a Bigfoot gets nervous, they bob back and forth. And whether we don't know if it's body language, it's an uncontrollable thing, like a twitch, you know, a nervous reaction that they have. Uh, and then, but she's seen he had a yellow like hanky or like a handkerchief in his pocket. And she was like hyper focused on that. And she'd look at him and she'd look at that. She'd look at him and she'd look at that. 
And he said he felt no, he's like, she's not going to hurt me. Like I finally, he finally got that feeling calmed down. He put his gun back in his holster and he looked down at the ground and he was turning around. He's like, I'm just going to leave her alone, go the opposite direction. And when he turned around, he was pretty much standing in a wall of fur from what he could say was this gigantic male Bigfoot was right behind him, ready to get him the whole time. And he had passed out from fear at that point when he had woken up, uh, his hanky was gone and in his pocket was what he described as a couple leaves that were all folded up and he opened it up and it was a bunch of the grubs. The female Bigfoot had been digging up out of the log. <laughs> so it was a trade. Yeah. So she traded him. She really liked his orange or his yellow hanky. Then uh, there's several other stories like that. I don't know if you ever listened to Sasquatch Chronicles. Like me and you are in the same boat. It's very hard to listen to podcasts when you do a podcast. Mm. Uh, but he's had one where, the uh, a little Bigfoot had fallen into like a, a foundation that was going to get poured and these two juveniles were trying to help it out and he caught them and he had a gun and he put the gun down and he turned around and there was just a massive male like standing right behind him getting like arms up going to grab him. Once he put the gun down, you know, he wasn't a threat. So they obviously know firearms are bad and I think it's from that early the white settlement when all the white people start spreading out with firearms and you know, Bigfoot would be seen. The Native Americans, depending on which culture you're talking about, uh, made trades with Bigfoot or, you know, the stone. They, they were stone giants, mountain mothers. They had, depending on which culture specifically you're talking about, it's which name they give the creature. Do you think uh, there's still a Native American Bigfoot, like a, like a trade barter system going I on today? I think it's very fried. I mean, look at, from my opinion, both cultures uh, that we know for a fact, the Native American cultures have been decimated. Most of the tribes or at least half the tribes from then are extinct. Uh, and then like we just talked about the Utes and the Navajo didn't get along very well because the U S government forced them into the same area and just let them kill each other. So, and I think Bigfoot, it's kind of smart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think Bigfoot kind of, they're not dumb, you know? So I think once that started happening, the writing was on the wall and they kind of cut ties with people in general. Uh, but the Native American cultures, you know, they're very strong in, you know, in places, but they're not vast sweeping anymore. You know, there's not large migratory tribes of Native Americans anymore. Do you think the Bigfoot can tell if you've got a gun or does he have to see it? Because I've heard theories that like they've got like a gun, like a like a psychic gun detection ability. Here's, here's what I'll say. When we're talking about Bigfoot. I think we're lumping two or three different phenomena under one umbrella. So when I had my Bigfoot experience, my Bigfoot was fully flesh and blood. In my opinion, it was stealing horse grain to eat. It's very sweet. It's full of molasses. Uh, and was scared of the gun, right? Very flesh and blood needs and fears. But we've had people on the show and people I fully believe. I know researchers that have had the paranormal side of Sasquatch to where one of them, one of our buddies was getting led off a cliff by a Bigfoot. He was following it. Had sorry, Wi-Fi. It had the glowing red eyes, and it was walking, walking, walking. And he was letting it. It was letting him follow it, follow it, follow it. And it walked right off a cliff like a cartoon, but kept going. Right. So it's essentially walking on air. And the only reason he stopped is because he knew the property very well. He's like, no, I know there's nothing out. You know, another twenty feet. So I'm not following you anymore. Uh, so I do think 
where anything that's large and hairy and upright, I think we're calling a Bigfoot North America. Hmm. So the more flesh and blood things, I think, no, they got to see it. The more supernatural, uh, supernatural or metaphysical Bigfoots, I think, sure, they can sense that. I think it's they can definitely sense more intent or like you know, the very basicness of your thoughts because they seem to always be kind of predicting how you're going to react with them. The one you saw, you considered that one a flesh and blood Bigfoot or do you not know? I personally, and it's just an opinion and everything I've said tonight is an opinion, uh, a flesh and blood Bigfoot. Cause like I said, it was stealing horse grain from our farm, which is what I was assume was for food. It's very sweet. So it's full of molasses. So as far as like pellet food goes, it's almost like candy, right? Uh, anybody, I'm, actually, sure. I'm actually snacking on some right now. There you go. I thought, I thought I seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was scared of the gun, right? It wasn't scared of my dad. It was still standing there kind of squaring him off. Even though dad didn't know that the second it shot in the air, gone, not throwing stuff, not standing its ground with my dad. It was running a hundred miles an hour, you know, just to get away from the gun. So to me, that screams all flesh and blood, you know, flesh and blood wants and fears. Do you think a flesh and blood Bigfoot could have its video or picture taken? So here's a cool thing. Uh, you ever heard of the double coat theory? No. So Sasquatch probably have double coat fur. Uh, polar bears have it. Some other animals have it. Uh, Bigfoot would probably have it better for like, uh, uh, I'll tell you, a bunch of witnesses have described orange colored Bigfoots, right? That's yeah, common. Red, red hair. Orange, it's like, red, like the red. most common color yeah. seems to be red and orange. We have dozens, if not hundreds, of eyewitnesses have described once a Bigfoot goes into the shadows of like the trees or whatever, they kind of phase out of reality. And the, or there was one witness that still seen it and followed that Bigfoot more. It had changed its color of its fur to black. What happens is, in my opinion, a double coat, double a double coat theory. The outside fur is the like kind of like what we wear our coats for. You know, it's the big, thick coat for weather and stuff like that. The inner coat's the true color. They have muscle groups on their fur, and they actually lift that orange coat up so their black coat can be seen. So they look almost invisible moving through the shadows. Hmm. Uh, and we actually have some camouflages that work like that now. And we have some animals that do that kind of stuff now to help. You know, And then you can even go in more advanced with like chromatophores or like jelly, like not jellyfish, of octopus and squid, you know, purposely changing their colors. Are there mammals uh, that do anything like this? Yeah, there's a bunch of mammals that have that double coat stuff. But for for that reason, because I mean, like a polar bear is a double coat, but it's not to it's, yeah, it's to lock in color. Yeah, it's not to change color. Yeah, we have a couple. I'm trying to think now. Uh, it's mostly for breeding displays. A lot of smaller mammals and some like lemurs have that, where they can actually they'll lift their, their fur. Like we we still have muscles on all of our hair. The ones on our head aren't as strong anymore. Or our faces, you know, they're the muscles are pretty much nothing there. But on our arms, you know, you get goosebumps. What is happens? Yeah, it's your hair well, part of my courting ritual is my beard flips up and I show the go. colors under my beard. But I, I'm not going to do that right now. That's Spotted Patreon peacock. only. There you go. Patreon only. Now, your big question is, or maybe not your big question, but one of the big questions is, why don't we get more pictures of them, right? Mm-hmm. So there are 44 million trail cameras in use in hunting season in the U.S., Where's all the pictures of Bigfoot, right? Well, I can tell you, I give you three good reasons why. Now, it depends on how smart you want to paint Bigfoot. 
So for this experiment, we're just going to say they're a little smarter than a big cat. So like a mountain lion, for example. So let's say they're a little smarter than a mountain lion. Personally, I believe they're much smarter, probably on our level. But let's just say they're smarter than a mountain lion. Mountain lions. Trail cameras don't work very well for big cats. Almost all the big cats you see caught are juveniles. And or they're very habituated to people. Uh, so like big old mountain lions, you hardly ever see them on trail cameras. The Jaguars moving into Arizona is real recent getting them. They got a new picture of a male this past week of, as of recording this, uh, that has been living in the area for like nine years. One picture. So you have all these big cats that don't like cameras. So why don't they like the cameras? The first thing is they stink. They're made of plastics and fabrics, a bunch of in Man, the Wi-Fi is really bad tonight. I'm sorry. What was I saying? Plastics, fabrics, and electronics. Even when we spray the Senaway stuff, that's more built around herbivores. That's what you're targeting, right? Deer, turkeys. Uh, so when you, they still stink of electronics. They still stink of plastic petroleum. Uh, so if you're a big predator or more intelligent and you want to avoid people, you're going to avoid the thing that stinks like everything people carry. Even if you have it in a log, you know, it's still always perforating smell in the air. So you just go around it. You'll leave it alone. The next big one is batteries. All trail cameras, whether they're solar powered or what, have batteries in them. If they're solar powered, they have a storage battery for all that energy, right? And if they're not, they just have a battery in them. Batteries actually make a high-pitched whine while they're being used. So we can't pick it up on our ears, and most herbivores can't pick it up in their ears. Big cats, it's annoying. It's, it's actually high... the soul escaping as it's being it's... expended. There you go. <laughs> that that needs to be art. Uh, made me laugh. Uh, so yeah, it's a high-pitched whine. So we've actually seen some of these big cats will actually kind of zigzag through the woods. And that's what they're doing. They're purposely mm-hmm. avoiding these stinky electronic things. You know, they're because they whether they know what they are or not, you know, that's a different question. They know they're human related. And they know humans aren't good news. So I'm going to stay away from the unfamiliar thing. Uh, The third one, and this is the one that's, you know, could be argued, is the infrared laser. So you know how trail cameras work? Yeah. So for all the listeners, there's that little laser that's always on. That has to be tripped to send a signal, hey, take pictures or video. So if you can see in the infrared spectrum a little bit, there's a giant laser pointer off the front of this camera, whether it's hidden or not. So if you're a Bigfoot or a big cat and you can see in a little bit of the infrared spectrum and you just see this thing coming out, you'd be like, okay, that's, that's not natural. I'm going to avoid that thing. I'm not going to walk through that thing. My whole existence is based around not being, you know, found predators are very stealthy. So I have a friend that's a big cat researcher out in Colorado and she tagged an adult female mountain lion. So she tranked it and put a radio collar on it, and they never found the cat again. She would get 30 or 40 feet away from this cat. It's got a radio collar on it. She knows it's like right there. Never seen it again. That cat got shot one time. That was it. Eventually, the batteries died in the radio collar. So there's, you know, three at least decent reasons why it may be hard to get some pictures of Bigfoot. And I'm not saying no. We still have some that are... You know, with now with video editing and photo editing, now you'll never, we'll never know whether it's a real picture of a Bigfoot or not in modern day. 
But yeah, there you go. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, th- those are trail cameras, which is a great point. Although I would, I would almost count any trail camera footage of a Bigfoot as like accidental footage. Like you, you like you might not have, because if you are, let's let's say you know cryptids of the corn crew, you guys are like, you know what, we're gonna make it our life's work to to get Bigfoot on camera. There's chances are you're not gonna go out and buy a bunch of trail cameras. You're gonna go out and buy a bunch of cameras that are just on twenty four seven and all of like. Actually, I'm I'm curious instead of just assuming if you were to say catch Bigfoot on camera. Like my mind's going like I'll go up and or I'll like a mount cameras, you know, a mile away and use like a high powered telescopic lens and like all these things to get the smell and everything away from them and still hyper focus. And then you said that the Bigfoot came on your property because you had this sweet um, this the things that I'm snacking on at the desk. Right. Mm -hmm. Why not just put like a huge vat of that, just like an acre full of that and then a bunch of cameras all pointed at it Would that work in theory. So a bunch of people have tried that. There's actually several large Bigfoot research organizations that have tried doing that exact thing. And it pretty much seems like the area gets abandoned very quickly by Sasquatch. For whatever reason, they, they don't do it. Uh, and you're talking about everything from GoPros hidden in, like, in trees and the heads of valleys. So right. they're, you know, they're filming across 200 yards or 300 yards. And it just seems that our presence in the area, because that's a large operation, right? Installing all those cameras, hiding all those cameras. You know, it's hours, at least not, if not days to do that kind of expedition. Uh, the only one that's kind of been close to successful, as far as I know, is there's been a little bit of uh, hardcore research done in Big Thicket, which is in Texas. I don't know if you know anything about Big Thicket and Bigfoot. but I don't, I don't know. I don't know about Big Thicket, no. So if you if ever personally, you wanted to have an encounter of some way, shape, or form, that's one of your best chances. Uh, it probably won't be a positive encounter because for whatever reason, they can be very aggressive in the big thicket area of Texas. Uh, but they had burr trackers. So you know what a burr is? You get like the plant seeds. Mm-hmm. So they put the little things that like stick on you because yeah. of like little Velcro or worse. Yeah. So they put a bunch of tracking chips and those burrs. And they put them about eight foot off the ground in these heavily used game trails. Months. They left them alone for months and months and months. They avoided the area. They didn't go back in. And finally, one day, something got it on. They tracked it for a while until it sat still for a little bit. And whatever it did had groomed that out of its fur. So it got stuck to some of the animals for about eight foot off the ground. And then, you know, it traveled for a couple days with it. And then it pulled it off. Uh, you could say it caught on a bird and the bird finally caught it off. That's, you know, it's whatever. I'm just saying that is one way to interpret the data. And you can, I can't, I don't, I can't remember who did that off the top of my head. Uh, but they have that public. It's public knowledge. You can go look it up. Uh, but you can see the, the the tracking of this thing going around, eating, assuming, you know, foraging for food and stuff like that. But yeah, it would be, I think right now the problem is 99% of big organizations that are out here doing this hardcore, what we'd call hardcore research are self-funded. So it'd be like me and you putting together all of our savings and that's still not going to get us very far. I worked for a biological surveying firm looking for endangered species and those tests, those groups of people to pay out and spend weeks and months out there professionally looking with professional grade gear and stuff is stupid expensive. Uh, so the people are doing the best they can with the resources they have. It's no discredit to the people that are out there, you know, spending 
hundreds of hours a year out sitting in the swamps and in the forest uh, right down by you, you know, the skunk ape headquarters, they spend so much time out there in the Everglades looking for the, you know, the skunk ape. Uh, so that's what I would say right now. It's what are they called? The, the, the skunk ape the headquarters, research headquarters. I'm assuming that's uh, South Florida. Cause you said Everglades. Yeah. It's right at the, it's literally like one of the last places you can stop in Florida. Well, like right, right before you get to the keys. Yeah. It's actually, it's right there by the bridge. If I remember. So, so continue. No, it just, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool place. I, anybody's interested. It's, I'm not sponsored. We're not sponsored by them as far as I know. Uh, Well, that's their mistake. I'll take a sponsorship. Yeah. Skunk Ape headquarters. What are you guys doing? Let's, let's get these guys sponsored. Pass some checks. We know. Hey, just like put the Lambo in the garage for one week and send a little bit of that sponsorship money to Crypto the Corn. What do you? <laughs> you don't have to drive it every week. Come on, guys. Uh yeah. See, before when I was saying, you know, we're I was talking about Bigfoot, and you make a good point of like, uh, you know, you're maybe you're lumping a few things together, and yeah. that was kind of the flesh and blood, and maybe the more. Yeah. So what What are the other ones? Let's like I understand flesh and blood. That one, sure. There's like an actual living, breathing mammal out there that has some level of intelligence and heightened senses, just like every other animal has. So what are the other categories that aren't the flesh and blood ones? Uh, I think a lot of what people are experiencing are, so we have everything from these red-eyed Bigfoots, these ones that seem to phase in and out, tons of stories of them disappearing into trees. Like people watch them walk into trees and they disappear including some people uh, that are real famous in the community. Uh, Ron Moorhead's book, you know, the quantum Bigfoot. We know Ron personally. He's an amazing man. Some of the experiences they had out there were just, you know, they would have things talking to them, like the samurai chatter. I don't know. You ever heard of the the samurai chatter, Bigfoot sounds? No. Samurai chatter. Yeah. You should look it up. It's crazy. Look up the Sierra sounds. Uh, I'll send you the files because I own the files, so you can use them on the show if you want. Uh, anyways, they would hear these things talking to them in their own language. And it is language because the Scott Nelson analyzed it, but two foot off the wall of the cabin outside and they'd peek. There's nothing there. It's just blank air. But when you're in the cabin, you can hear, feel it. Something just, you know, kind of like screaming at you, you know, you would feel that reverberation in your chest because how big they are. And then you'd peek around the corner and you still hear the sounds and nobody's there, right? And they'd have the red eyes and, you know, they walk off cliffs. They'd even see them. Uh, some people even see them melt, right? Where they kind of just hit the ground and turn into almost like a puddle or a shadow. I think that's, uh, you know, those experiences, they're seeing a big hairy thing until it turns into not a big hairy thing or until, you know, it's, it's off in the thing. I think a lot of that is the North American fae. Uh, so the fae folk. The North American Native Americans have a lot of legends. So fairy folk or fairy folk is, you know, it's used in every culture. Every every culture on the planet has their version of the same legend with pretty similar rules across it. We did an episode comparing African fae folk to North American fae folk to European fae folk. And they have a lot of the same sets of rules. So the thing with the fae is they're kind of metaphysical, right? They're here, but they're not. So a lot of times what they do is they put on the face you want to you want to see. 
So in, you know, Sweden or Scandinavia, it's trolls. And most trolls are small, but some trolls are 60 foot tall. Uh, There's even a set of trolls that look very much like our Bigfoots here in North America. So if you're going out there and Bigfoot's very much on the mind of people going out in the woods, whether it's in the back of your mind, whatever, everybody pretty much in the U.S. knows the term Bigfoot. It's one of those household names. You kind of have a picture. You go to anybody, you'd say Bigfoot. They kind of get a picture. I think that's what the Fae folk are putting on that face. They're putting on this. And a lot of these ones are skinnier. They don't really fit the same like profile of the big ape-like mammal. Uh, but then that's how they can do the metaphysical stuff. They can walk off cliffs. They can shapeshift. They can throw rocks at you. You can see where the rocks are coming from. There's nothing sitting there. Uh, and Fae are often associated with like forest spirits or elementals or guardians of the woods. What's Bigfoot associated with a lot, especially in a lot of North American cultures, these guardian figures, these ones that protect the waters, protect the environment. Uh, you know, when they would over harvest an area, that's when they would get in trouble with these forest spirits. So I think that may be another subset we're seeing in the Sasquatch community. So I don't ever discount anybody's encounters. Whether, you know, I had a flesh and blood sighting. If you tell me you've seen one with red eyes and walk through a wall, I'm still going to believe you. I just don't think we've seen the same thing. Uh, you, you made a really good point a little while ago about a lot of these, I guess, Bigfoot research communities are self-funded. So they've got very limited resources and you've got direct experience with what like a real operation would look like. And chances are not many out there could afford like a full-blown operation, like yeah. government funded style. So one of the things that I've looked into uh, very superficially was like any government documentation on Bigfoot and a lot I found a lot of blog posts and YouTube videos and they're like oh the FBI FBI you know documented FBI uh, Bigfoot evidence and I actually went and I looked at the real report and I read every line of it and they were kind of just saying like yeah some loony you know lunatic sent us like the hair of some animal we tested it and we told them that it wasn't Bigfoot and then people will be like see the FBI said the word Bigfoot in this report therefore it's real so that that one particular the only reason I'm prefacing that is that one seems like it's the least convincing uh, government documentation of Bigfoot. Is there anything convincing out there? Is there any operations where the government was like looking into it specifically? Uh, not that we can prove from the government side. You know how they work. Uh, if it's probably real, it's very hard to find or they put it right in front of you. It's it's awful. Uh, well, they're sponsors of this show. So tread carefully. I mean, we love every three-letter agency. Mm. They're great. Oh, your internet cut out for a second for me. I thought I thought we were actually getting shut down there. I was like, oh, well. No, I mean, just to be clear, any three-letter agency has three letters because it's just the substantiation for the Holy Trinity. We all know that. <laughs> uh, no, I think the government knows about him for sure. Uh, yeah, the spotted owl test out in either Washington or Oregon, I 100% believe was a government test. Because I don't think they ever found any. The, so I will go into that. Uh, everybody knows the Spotted Owls. It's what kind of was inspired at the beginning of Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, they said that they had found Spotted Owls in this land that was getting ready to be logged. Nobody really knows who started this. Who said, hey, they found Spotted Owls out there. An endangered species. I fully believe it was government test to see how humans would react to acute creature needing protection, how fast humans would react. The very, like two days later, there were people there by the thousands turning themselves to trees and stuff like that. Wow. 
Dude, I will murder a spotted owl on this feed. I mean, we're not live because I'm not allowed to go live for a week, but I'll do it on a live. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want uh, they're cute. They're little death animals. Like they'll, those things will eat you if you were small enough to be eaten by it. Just right. it's right, try it. I don't. I, so maybe off air, I'll tell you my owl story. Uh, because they'll try it. What was I saying? Oh, so they, it was a test, right? Because even biologists went in after, and I think only one or two nests was ever found in that entire, what is now a national forest. Uh, so nobody's seen them beforehand. That nobody's checks seen- out with government efficiency. That, that's pretty much the batting average. So what a lot of people believe was, let's talk about the money. It's following the money, right? It's the biggest. Uh, so I get my numbers right. It's been a while since we've done this on our show. The logging industry is the second largest economic produced good in the US. So as a whole, the whole logging industry, you know, from start to finish. Uh, we don't have a lot of forest anymore, right? So they're cutting down literally I seen it uh on a national park border. They are cutting right up to the border of this national park. There's no leadway. Uh they're taking every tree uh where we go and hang out in Arkansas, it's very evident. You could just there's just swaths of clear cut destroyed that was weird sorry i think my baby's screaming in the next room but my wife's in there with him so it was odd someone's not Uh, doing their job the baby or the wife both (laughs) she doesn't listen to any of this stuff this will be the one she listens to uh we appreciate her buy a copy of uh, chaos twins it's a kid-friendly comic book by the way there you go and I'm talking to your wife, not you. I know the women buy everything in the household. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they saying? It, it so, all yeah, goes into the Lambo. They were, they were testing, uh, in my opinion, to see how humans would react if Bigfoot was proven to exist. Because that wasn't, it wasn't Bigfoot. It wasn't Harry and the Henderson. It was like Littlefoot, not the Land Before Times, but the movie Littlefoot, where they literally found a Bigfoot in a logging field and had to try to get it to stop to get uh, environmental protection. I do appreciate you clarifying because when you said little foot, my, my mind definitely went to four times. So I appreciate that. Yeah. We're that generation of like, that's what we watched. So yeah, I do think it was a test. Then the next largest industry after that of bought goods uh, is the camping industry. So you have two big, two giant. I mean, we're talking, you know, tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars of industry. It can be heavily affected the day Sasquatch is proven to exist. What happens to the logging industry is pretty much all commercial logging is going to stop because now this thing looks like a human. So we've never had that before, right? In North America, we've never had to protect a species that humans can connect with. If you look at endangered species rights, almost all the ones that get saved are the cute ones. You know, the non-cute ones are harder to fight for. I don't even like to make eye contact with my neighbor. So to say that we would bond with this human looking thing, maybe. I'm talking about humans in general in North America. Uh, but so the logging industry would you know be affected by maybe on the hundreds of billions of dollars scale immediately until we get an idea of their population, their numbers, what you know, their status. Are they people? You know, that's a whole thing that's going to take, you know, maybe decades to fight to figure out. So that's one, you know, the, the second or third largest industry in the U.S. just gone overnight. The second bought commercial goods is the camping industry. It's like 80% of the camping industry is bought by weekend warriors. So not people like me and my wife love camping. We'll go out. I don't care if Bigfoot. I know Bigfoot's real. I still go camping. 
but we're talking about the guys that buy everything that week, that, that week to go camping that weekend in a state or national park with their kids from the city. The second they say, yeah, there's a giant man that lives out there now. They're not taking their kids anymore. They're going to stay in the city and go to the mall. They're going to do something else. Another different weekend activity. There's another hundreds of billions of dollars. They're disappearing. A hardcore camper. Sure. They're not going to care. They're going to keep going out. They're going to keep camping. A lot of us know Bigfoot's real. They are hardcore campers. Cause you, so you see know what spawn a third industry of like, can't like, like uh, Bigfoot tourism. There's already is a little bit, but I, you know, nothing like in the hundreds of billions of dollars market. Well, not, not until it's proven. And someone's like, look, here's indisputable proof. Bigfoot exists now Buy your Bigfoot branded, you know, Yeti mug. Oh, I mean, their Bigfoot industry like that is big, but I'm talking about people going out and looking for them, but never anything like hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, we're talking all of Bass Pro does like six or seven billion dollars a year. So so on a slight tangent, but I swear it's it's related, like like if we go back to the flesh and blood version that came in and took like the the meal from your property, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Let's. Theoretically, let's just say that there's one that is smarter than a cat, maybe ranging on like a dog. I don't know, cats and dogs, uh, but like r- ranging towards like a slightly smarter. If if we could tell them like, hey, you can have all the meal that you want for you and your family and your friends and everyone in your whole big village. If just one of you comes to Hollywood and stars in movies with like Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Right. But like that seems like it would be a way that we could connect to the Bigfoot and Bigfoot get, cause I mean the other alternative, right. Is to sneak around in the woods and steal food from us and maybe get shot and live in complete isolation. But it seems like it just takes one really good interaction to be like, no, don't like, maybe don't go and show yourself to just some random Appalachian family. But if you show up in the middle of, I don't know, Burbank, maybe there's like a better chance for it. And I, I mean, that's not in jest. That's like legitimately that could be what we can offer them is like, you don't have to hunt anymore. You don't have to hide. We will put you on so, the movies with that. You have three kind of three problems, communication, concepts, and trust communication. We know they have language. I don't know if you ever looked into Scott Nelson's work. Well, Antonio ben, or, um, Banderas did like 10 or 20 movies in English before he even knew how to speak it. So I feel like that one's kind of a moot point, but he's also human. <laughs> Well, that's debatable. Well, yeah. So uh, the the language, the communications of a huge barrier. They can speak. Uh, Scott Nelson, I don't know if you know who that is, but he was a Navy linguist, and he actually studied the Sierra sounds and proved that they were language. But they were also above and below human hearing and human abilities. So they're talking in frequencies that are also you know too high for humans and too low for humans. So we're already missing. We're only getting, we can only replicate ourselves about one third of their language back to them. The second thing is concepts. You're talking about a lot of concepts that they probably have no rationale for of this, you know, living without, without hunting, living without gathering uh, protection and all that stuff. You know, how, what is Hollywood? Try to explain to Bigfoot what Hollywood is. Look, if someone can take pictures of your feet, don't ask questions and you can get rich. They'll if give you just a lot of that message. Uh, and the last one's trust. I think in the 17 and 1800s that I think we killed a lot of them moving with the expansionism. I think we killed a lot of them, a lot of young ones. I think that's why they kind of cut off like directly or just through the side effects of people. Of I think we shot a lot of them and killed a lot of them because they talked about it all the time. Like I said, there was uh, uh, 
Adam Benedict's books, Monsters in Print. He basically goes through and just finds all of the monsters talked about in newspaper articles from like the 1600s on. And you can go through, they're just the Xerox newspaper articles from the day. And they killed a lot of them. And they're like, they Did anyone stuff them or make boots or shoes or hats or coats? They were still kind of talked about that time. So it was like, they knew they were there. They were harassing or they were men that were scaring them. Uh, But yeah, taxidermy went a real big thing in the US to like the mid to late 1800s. Hmm. We have about 150, 200 years before that was even a thing somebody could even think about doing. Uh, there was, sure there was taxidermy before. Who was before that, that first guy? Who was the first guy that well, I mean, was, there was like, hey, thousand years before that? I'm just talking about the average person actually being able to do that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think they trust us. I don't think they have any reason to trust us. As far as the generations, every interaction they probably had with us is neutral at best. You know, where we kind of walk around the corner and we catch them on the trail and they bolt or they scare us. You know, and they do that, uh, or they see us. You know. Literally, it's destroying thousands of acres of forest in a day. Imagine if that was your home. And that's technology you don't understand whatsoever. It's like seeing aliens, right? Coming down in this giant metal machine, cutting down thousands of trees an hour. It's a pretty big alpha move, to be honest. But So why would you trust that thing? It's coming into your area, destroying everything you have. Your grandparents are telling you stories about them just shooting you to death. You see them shoot other things to death. And it's like, hey, come into town. We're going to treat you all right. I don't know if I would follow that. If the Native Americans taught us anything, don't ever take free blankets. But you don't think there's a good, like, and this is a legitimate question, even if it sounds like a rhetorical flippant question, it's not. You don't think there's like a teenage Bigfoot that's somewhere out there. It's like, screw you, mom and dad. I'm going to go and find the humans. I'm going to run away and join the circus. It's funny you say I actually think that's what happens a lot of times with encounters is the young ones. A lot of these encounters that we see are like what I had, the seven and a half, seven foot tall guys. Uh, they almost always seem to be male. Uh, they are, I'm talking about the ones that kind of initiate the encounter. They seem to be smaller. You know, some people report seeing what they call mountain giants or whatever, these Bigfoot that are like nine, 10 feet tall. And they were just these pure beasts, you know, but they're, they're, you know, they're always big males. So I think that's where, that's kind of already the thing we're getting. The ones that are kind of getting close, the ones that are kind of coming near, the ones that are going through a dumpster, the ones that are, throwing rocks at campers are already the teenagers that are kind of like doing that rebellious stage of see, they're not, they're not that scary. They're big, dumb pink things. And then uh, you you imagine doing the, uh, like the lighten the bag of poop on fire, but you've got like Bigfoot size poops that you can do that with that. I don't know. That sounds like an opportunity lost if they're not doing that to some campers out there. They're probably doing their version of it. We had a guy on that was telling his encounter. And it, they were in a group campsite in Kentucky and they had a big foot kind of off on the, let's say the right hand side. And they could see it just on the edge of the light, like pacing. They could see it was huge. It would go away and they would throw stuff at them. And it was just keeping everybody. It was just doing enough to keep everybody looking at it. Right. He turned around and seen there was another one stealing all their marshmallows and stuff being dead silent. So they fully knew what they were doing. The second he seen it and he made it like, huh, it looked at him, dropped everything and stomped off like a pouty kid. And then the other one disappeared. So once the jig was up, they, you know, they left. Uh, I think they're very intelligent. And I think they're perfectly happy with just kind of living their own lives. And 
I'm just imagining someone taking a fishing pole out into the woods with marshmallows and just cat. Yeah, just casting, just hoping for the best. You get a, like a a seven year old Bigfoot that doesn't know any better. Yeah, it happens. I'm sure it does. What do you um? So so we can go so many places with this. Time is flying by. We're already an hour into this. I want to oh, get into your background because it sounds like you were a fancy pants biologist <laughs> uh, even like state sponsored fancy pants biologist right? so I work for a private company uh, it was very well, that's even worse that's, Skynet was a private company well we were very underfunded as far as biology firms go because we worked with a lot of uh, so a lot of things we worked with were home organization groups not like HOAs but like local communities that mm. were like hey this company's dumping stuff up river we think can you like with well, this is all the money we have? Like this is all we can. Okay. This is, so we would the Silent Spring. Of, uh, you were basically like the Silent Spring investigators. Oh gosh, that yeah. We've we had some. I still in some NDAs. I'm not allowed to talk about everything. But I've seen some bad stuff. I'll tell is, you about. It, I got is Silent Spring BS or is Silent Spring more on the accurate Silent side? Spring. Silent Spring, I think, was the DDT one where they the lady wrote about it and said, yeah, you can spray this, but it keeps accumulating in food supplies and the birds eat the fish oh. and then the things eat the birds. And then it's uh, yeah. Yeah. No, DDT's horrid. horrid. There's, there's so many chemicals that are horrific. Really? Should we stop putting that on our cereal for for the jokes? Yeah. Lulls? OK. Yeah. I think you should throw that little cup you have away of DDT. <laughs> just get rid of it. It's not it's like MSG, right? Everybody just sprinkle it on because it tastes better. <laughs> oh gosh what was I just saying? on cereal though it only makes cereal taste better <laughs> so uh yeah so what i did uh we worked a lot with partnerships like that that would kind of just you know and we'd try to do the surveys because it, it costs a lot right if we were just charging like a normal company for a fish crew to go out and do one survey most most survey groups were 20 surveys so 20 sites inside of one survey group uh Anywhere from like ten to twelve thousand dollars, depending on what you want to happen per site. So you know we're well over two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars, something like that, uh, just for the fish crew. There's a bug crew and a water chemistry crew. Like you do all this data to get a really good idea. The whole point of our job was at the end of it, you got a number that you could understand out of a hundred. So because it's hard for the average person that didn't spend their you know their life doing this to understand. So we have, it's called the QHEI is one of them that's a qualitative habitat and the IBI, which is an uh, index of biomass. So what it is, is like, let's say you're in, you're in Florida. So let's say you're, you know, by Daytona and the normal streams for Daytona should score like a 75 because when you're a big city, right? They're never going to score a hundred because that's impossible being near a city. So you expect some impactment. So the baseline is 75. The one behind your house that you're worried about, you pay us to come out and kind of check for you, is scoring like 50. So you know there's a problem. Then the other crews go in and we find the problems, whether it's habitat. Sometimes it's just there's no habitat. So the water's fine. There's just no fish there because there's nothing for them to live in. There's no grass. There's no logs. There's no you know sand. It's like a concrete bottom ditch. Of course, there's not going to be a lot of animals there or chemistry and stuff like that. And we find the problems. Are they just being snobby? Like they just don't like, is our concrete not good enough for them? You want to live in a concrete box out in the sun? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not right the second. Okay. Fair point. 
because that's you know it gets hot, right? Those streams tend to be extremely hot as far as water goes. Well, they're you know, picky. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of what we did. Um, then we also did endangered species surveys, impingement surveys, and eDNA surveys. Endangered species surveys are always the funnest. Uh, we also had extirpated surveys. Which do you, do you ever find a, a species where you're like, man, if there were just one less of these little bastards, they'd be endangered. And you just kind of turn the back, and one of the coworkers is just like, like, okay, they're endangered now. Do you get like extra money if you if that happens? No, no, it's no, it's no extra money or nothing like that. It's actually uh, a lot of organizations don't want us to find endangered species because it means they have to pay more money because their their buildings near. An How endangered much money species. does it cost to have you guys go out and when you find it, you don't find it? If you know what I'm saying, there are companies out there that do that. That's why, like, uh, I won't name any. Uh, I know companies that have done so. We got paid to do a site. Many right? of them are sponsored this show, so please do not name them. We got paid to do a, the same site that another company did. And we got completely different numbers. Our numbers were poor because there was a giant oil refinery right upstream of it. It was dumping chemicals that they shouldn't have been dumping. And their numbers were like pristine numbers. So, and they had to pay another third party site to get out there. And they agreed with our numbers. Well, so, yeah. anyone that's dealt with a home inspector or a food inspector knows oh, yeah. this game well. Yeah, our company was really good about uh, We never did that because like the heads of our company, one of them was an environmental lawyer uh, that actually fought in the big West Virginia case. Uh, I can't name the case, but you know the case. Don't drink the water case. Um, and then the other guy was the head of uh, an EPA group. And then retired and did this. So they were very reputable people in the field. Uh, but yeah, endangered species and uh, range expansion species. It wasn't all doom and gloom. It wasn't all bad. You know, there's a lot of bad we've seen. But coolest couple things we ever seen was we had, you know what, you ever heard of a mad tom? I have not heard of a mad tom. They're miniature catfish that are actually venomous. So, you know, your dad ever told you or your grandpa or whatever told you catfish, they, they sting you, they got venom. Oh, I've I've been stung by a catfish before. So a lot of our big freshwater species don't have venom. They just have the barbs, but they have right. a, their, their mucus irritates us. Sure. It sucks. You got stabbed. These matoms actually have venom glands like insects and then you get stung. It really sucks. It burns for days sometimes. So you got little catfish. We caught in the, uh, the salt uh, the Scioto river, a speckled matom, which we were all looking at this little fish and we're like, uh, this isn't a speckled mad tom, but it looks like a speckled mad tom. The reason why we were so confused was that's a 500 mile range expansion. So that means the nearest population of these guys is 500 miles away by river. So for him to be at the site was incredibly impressive because, you know, he's like the size of your thumb. So for that little fish to go up the Ohio River uh, and then get up into the side of the river is very impressive. Alligator gar. We found the first big alligator gar back to Ohio in 180 years. And he was right under our boat. He came over to say hi. Uh, Did you shoot him? No, absolutely not. I love Gar. So what are they? Do you know what they taste like at least? Yeah, we eat Gar. Just so why did you shoot it? I'll get it. I'll get a Gar protected. Mm. Especially so how did you come across one to eat it? Was did it die of natural long causes? Long-nosed Gar, different okay. species. 
but yeah, now you, you shred them and make hush puppies with them, basically. Hell yeah, you do. They're really good. Uh, so that's basically what I did. I'll tell you some of the worst things I've ever seen that I can talk about legally, if you want. Yeah, please. Uh, so we had, you know what Northern Pike is? Yes. So the, big, the, the, the little guys, right? No, that's a pick roll that we're talking about his big cousin. Uh, so okay, I, I don't know what one is then. <laughs> you've seen Barracuda, right? It's the freshwater Barracuda. Mm. Big, long head full of teeth, big, long body, you know, torpedo shaped. Uh, we have little those. Nemo. That's about as close, but I, but I, I get the idea. Yeah, that kind of picture. So we got one that's like three foot long. Uh, the water was so acidic, it had eroded away the skin on his belly, and his intestines were hanging behind him, like for ten or six feet, or like ten or twelve feet behind him. Still alive, still swimming around. Uh, we had a bunch of catfish we caught. They had no whiskers because the water was so acidic; it was literally burning their faces. Because they were swimming, it, you know, it was from chemical runoff or, yeah. or what? The worst individual fish I've ever seen in my entire life. It was horrific. It was a smallmouth bass uh, that had no eyes. And in place of its eyes, it had these giant tumors that looked like baby's hands coming out of its eye sockets. And when it would turn its eyes, the hands would move. You know what's crazy? That's actually going to be the protagonist of the next all-inclusive Disney movie because they're now branching out into the disabled uh, fish category. So that was so that's kind of what we did for our job. Is that fish? Sounds very- like the Guillermo del Toro uh, movie, right? The labyrinth, the little dude with the hands. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Yeah, the eye hands. Uh, so weird thing with that site is all the smallmouth had eye problems. Smallmouth bass. Their cousins, the largemouth bass, were all fine. So there's what's happening there, right? There's a difference. You know, they're all living in the same area. Why are all these smallmouth bass injured in this way or this tumor growth? Why are all the largemouth bass perfectly fine? Uh, and we found out it was actually selenium, the hardest, one of the hardest chemicals to test for in the water. Uh, selenium is toxic at the parts per trillion. Right, this is head and shoulders, by the way. Yeah. Well, it depends on what selenium is attached to. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Loose selenium is really, really bad. Uh, so these, what was happening is crayfish, when they molt, the little crawdads or crayfish, they molt. They actually pull the nutrients and the hard chemicals out of the water to make their new shells. Is these crayfish were pulling all the water out, all this hard stuff out of the water, which a lot of it was selenium based. So they're pulling and making their shells of selenium. Largemouth bass are mostly fish eaters. Smallmouth bass are mostly crustacean eaters like crayfish. So they're getting a lethal dose of this stuff as they're eating their, their natural food. That's why the largemouth bass were fine and the smallmouth bass were all sick. So that's like a good point. So selenium, if anybody didn't know, is a humongous byproduct in the oil production. And the oil facility that may have been 400 yards away swears that it was nothing to do with their oil refinery. Well, isn't it crazy how many useful byproducts there are from the petroleum processing industry? It's miraculous. It's almost as if like the petroleum and the oil isn't even the main product anymore. It's all these these miracle products that come out of it. How blessed are we, uh, my, my brother in Christ, to live live on this beautiful planet where you know what Lord provides through <laughs> be alive. We are seeing man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. I mean, wasn't this all in God's plan, though, for you to see a fish that had hands for eyes? I think I, I think uh, 
it was in God's plan to help me put a stop to it because it did stop. Because uh, if I wouldn't have got that fish, because keep mine. Here's the big problem with environmental sciences dealing with, we deal with the government, right? You're talking to politicians. These guys have no background in environmental sciences, first off. A lot of them are older, nothing against older people, but a lot of them are older from a time where, like uh, my grandpa, he, for example, would, the, the river in Ohio would catch on fire and that was the river they were swimming in because it was so polluted. They didn't care. Well, right? after the fire burnt all the, the toxins right. off, then it's swim. clean again. That's how it works. They had about 12 hours to swim before it built back up. Uh, they would actually have film, like film on them after they came out of the river, he would talk about. That's when men were men, my friend. Yeah, there's a reason they're all dead. <laughs> so he, uh, so it's really hard to talk to these people about it. So catching a fish like that and showing the pictures, I'm like, no, like, look, this fish doesn't have eyes and it has hands coming out of its eye sockets. That's harder to argue against because when you just show numbers and graphs, you know, it's like, whatever, what are you showing us? When you show a fish that doesn't have eyes or a fish that has intestines hanging, you know, way behind it because the water is literally so acidic that their skin is dissolving. And keep in mind, every one of those sites, kids are swimming in. Kids, humans, people were swimming in every one of those sites in that river. Yeah, but just don't drink the crayfish and you're fine, it sounds like. Oh, that, what's the deal? The acid water was just the water. <laughs> um, so man, this is this is actually kind of crazy. And like uh can we like do you think Bigfoot is seeing side effects of I don't know DDT and yeah. acidic waters? And yeah, like I are we finding that. like you know what does do they have tumors now? Well, you ever heard of the Ohio River Octoman? I have not. It was basically a giant tumor with tentacles on two feet. It was crossing the road in Ohio and Kentucky. It was living in the river until it eventually died in a creek in Kentucky, and they pushed it out into the Ohio River. You could fish fillet that bastard. I guarantee well, you they could. Was, it was a diseased Bigfoot because the Ohio River is so radioactive. It's still radioactive. Ohio River, people eat fish out of there, and there's giant pockets of radioactivity. Uh, so the theory was maybe it was a Bigfoot that got caught up in radioactive water and it's just what it looked like. Just, you know, mange. Uh, there's a couple stories of Bigfoots, you know, being incredibly thin, missing fur, you know, very sickly. Uh, one was from a group of kids out West near acid mine drainage. Uh, so acid mine drainage kills miles of river. Anybody at home that hasn't seen it, it looks, here's the scary thing is it looks like crystal clear, perfect water because it's so acidic. Nothing can be in it. You know, I, the worst I ever found was a pH of 1.2. So that is enough to like, it ate the leather. Like we had little leather straps on our polythane wet, our, our, our uh, PVC waders and it ate the straps off them. And PVC is not supposed to be corrodible like that. And it started eating the PVC waders. Hmm. Uh, so we had to get off of it really fast. This is so, why they discontinued Zima too, I think. What's Zima? Yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think uh, I think they're heavily affected. I think there's huge portions of land. Just because we see trees on it, we think it's bioactive. We think there's life there. And trees are very tough organisms, right? They've made it through a couple big, bad mass extinctions. Uh, but the water is killer. Like, there's no fish. Like, there's these big rivers that look like perfect, like what you'd see on trout streams on TV. Uh, you know, it just looks gorgeous. And there's not a living thing in them because they're so acidic. That nothing, even plants will be dead like 10 feet from the banks 
because if it gets it through the roots, it's bad. So yeah, I think there are Bigfoot. I think we've had some reports of sick ones, uh, ones that just malnourished, missing great big patches of fur, you know, broken teeth, that kind of stuff. And that could be related to that. And you see more of these effects in long-lived animals. Uh, so like mice in little fish, a lot of times you don't see any of these effects because they don't live long enough. You know, it's most adult, mm-hmm. like we get cancer in our forties or, you know, fifties, sixties. Allegedly. Let's not make some medical claims here that we can't back up. We don't no, know that people get cancer. Oh, it's what is cancer. There's a whole different episode for you. I mean, if we're in a simulation, then it doesn't even exist. It's a bug. It's a bug somebody put in. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? I'm bad with tangents. But no, yeah, I do think they're being affected. The physical Bigfoots are being affected. It's probably even, you want to go with the Fey angle, because they draw their, their energy from nature. Yeah, they're probably being affected, too. They're probably almost extinct. I mean, I'm just getting uh, Labyrinth vibes because that's how the little troll in Labyrinth was taking care of the fave folk. He was just spraying the hell out of those things with Roundup, wasn't he? I haven't seen, well, seen the movie Labyrinth. If I not, we're going to we're going to st- we're going to stop this podcast right now. We're going to re hold on. We're going to hit pause. When we come back, we have both watched Labyrinth. <laughs> OK, we're back. What did you think, man? It David was great. It was- Jennifer Connelly. It's a little creepy that there's like an adult male that's kidnapping a young child. Well, actually a baby. He kidnaps the baby first and then he kidnaps the young teen girl. Anyways, great movie. They killed the fake folk. Um, So hold on. (laughs) I actually do. I got a couple other questions I want to ask you, but I don't want to wait too long to get into some PCP. Have you ever done PCP before? I'm just curious. No. You've never done PCP? I've, I've never done any drug. So if you look under your chair, no, but I do have a little segment where it's called PCP. We're going to do it right now. Hey, conspiracy buffs, I double dare you to take some PCP, the paranormal conspiracy probe on your marks, get set and go. All right. This is going to be a special edition of PCP. Normally we're going to do it right. We'll we'll get you warmed up. So normally I'm just going to mention a concept and you give me a zero to 10 rating on how plausible you think the concept is. So I'll I'll give you a quick example, but then we're gonna we're gonna take a little uh, detour halfway into it. But first of all, so for example, I'll say flat Earth, and you just give me a zero means you don't believe it at okay. all, you think it's silly, and ten means like yeah, absolutely, I can show you that there's no curve. All right, so flat Earth, I'll give it a two. Interesting. How about a spherical Earth? Uh, seven. How about that um, we landed on the moon in the 1960s, to be specific? The, the, so the first moon landing. The, the well, let's just let's let's widen it open to the oh, entire oh. Apollo moon landing missions from start to end. Did any of them result in a human being stepping foot on the moon? Seven. Are dinosaurs real? Ten. Not there's that, but wow, that was a quick one. There wasn't even like a maybe it's a nine, it was like a hundred percent ten. This is you, you may not know. This is a that's a big fight on our show, so that's why it was so fast. Well, that's why you didn't let uh Jay come on. What about him. what about dragons? And I and I just as a qualifier, fire breathing, flying dragons like lizards or big birds or something like that, fire breathing monsters. Is if it can fly and it can breathe fire, then all the other details I don't care as much about nine. 
I mean, we talked about fae folk fairies, like actual flying, you know, Zelda style fairies. Eight. Okay, now we're gonna. Here's where the, the detour comes in, because you seem like you might be more uh, well versed in this particular line of thinking. I just want to know who wins in these fights. Okay, so okay. we're gonna start with Bigfoot versus a Nephilim. Who wins in this fight? Ooh, a Nephilim. And we're gonna. I'm gonna make a note here because I also want to talk about the Bigfoot Nephilim connection. Some people okay. conflate the two. Bigfoot versus a reptilian, and I, I don't mean like a gecko. I mean like like a yeah. you know from the Draco Bigfoot. star system. Bigfoot wins versus the reptilian. Okay, yep. I've I've got a little uh a uh, little poll going here. We'll be paying everyone that had their bets in before we started. We'll be doing the payouts afterwards. Uh, if anyone thinks that this is scammed in order for me to make more money you can blame uh you know big mystery here so bigfoot versus john cena oh bigfoot bigfoot versus me but i've got an ar-15 bigfoot really i'm pretty good with an ar-15 they're silent I was a marksman in the military, I'll have you know. I'm, I'm not doubting your abilities, but a Bigfoot can get right up on somebody without them knowing. Bigfoot versus Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. Ooh. Bigfoot, because he's just going to chuck a big piece of asphalt at Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you tell me some some human beings, if any, that Bigfoot would succumb to? Ooh. Steve Irwin, 100%. Okay. He would have it on its belly. He'd be rubbing it like a dog, even though they're really intelligent. It would be, yeah, Steve Irwin. <laughs> what about Caesar? Caesar? Yeah. You, are you are you a cat person? Caesar's a guy that like trains cats, I think. No, he would be dead too. Or maybe he, do- maybe he does dogs. I don't know. Caesar. Yeah, he'd be dead too. Okay. Steve Irwin, is it, does the list stop? I think and that's it. I think that's it. There? <laughs> Maybe his kids. Any- his kids. Who? His kids. Steve Irwin's kids. Okay, yeah. all of them, or or just yeah. the son? No, all of them. Are there any other animals that Bigfoot would succumb to? Like, what? How about Bigfoot versus a humpback whale? Oh yeah, anything over. I'm going to say anything over six tons is going to win. Is there any animal that's smaller than Bigfoot that would give him a run for his money? Uh, some of the hyper venomous like. In my opinion, like so, the blue ring octopus. You know, there's hyper venomous. California newts are hyper poisonous. Uh, a lot of those guys. Some of the jellyfish, just because they're literally their neurotoxins are so so high end that you know they're just going to kill pretty much anything with the nerve system. Uh, sea crates and sea snakes. There you those, go. These are less fights, though. This is more like Bigfoot accidentally like stepped Bigfoot on grabs, something. Like, or... What is this thing? And it bites him, and then he's dead. Yeah. So let, let's, uh, I don't, are you a fan of UFC at all or fighting or boxing? Yeah. Or that's what here. He, he loves all of it and he's a sumo guy. Well, so you, you've, I guess if you've at least through osmosis, some yes, of that I, has rubbed off on you. Osmosis. So without doing the full theatrical breakdown, but I want a, a little bit of like a, like a UFC play by play on Bigfoot fighting a reptilian and how exactly is Bigfoot winning this? Cause I mean, you know, the reptilian comes out of the corner, he shape shifts immediately. He turns invisible. Now he's behind Bigfoot 
and he's using like the hypnotic death glare. But then Bigfoot does what? So here's what happens is Bigfoot already knows where he is through electromagnetic sensories. He just kind of knows he's there. Whether he's is, it, is this flesh and blood Bigfoot or is this a separate blood Bigfoot? That's okay. what I'm going with. Uh, in my head, they're both the eight foot tall because the reptilians get, um, uh, you know, often said they're, you know, eight foot tall in their form and then Bigfoot's often eight foot tall. Like uh, it's like a 12 foot tall Bigfoot versus eight foot tall reptilian. They would just grab it and just squish it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so being a reptile, you know, cold blooded, slower movements, slower reaction times versus a warm blooded mammal. It basically be, I think Bigfoot would get behind it, put it in like some kind of arm hold. And just start ripping off its arm and then beat it to death with it like a chimp. It would start more like a human fight for a minute and then turn really much into like that chimpanzee with a frog. I don't know if you've ever seen that video. I mean, I can imagine, although, yeah, I've, I've seen some weird chimpanzee movies, but I'm assuming it's not one of the ones that I'm thinking of. No, probably not. So, uh, how about the Nephilim? Where, what's the play by play for the Nephilim? Here's my thing is, uh, you know, depending on which version of Nephilim you you, you take, uh, they're a lot bigger. Depending on you know, eight foot is kind of the smaller range you you hear for actual Nephilim, not their offspring, actual Nephilim themselves. Uh, but they're reported anywhere from like twenty or thirty foot tall, and they are much more spiritual, right? They don't, they're not, they're a little bit more metaphysical than the flesh and blood Bigfoot. Yeah, they bring they bring the guitar and the Birkenstocks. They're they're mm-hmm. one of those kinds. Uh, so it'd be kind of like you fighting a monkey. You know, the monkey's going to bite you and it's going to suck. But you're just eventually, whenever you catch it, you're just going to sit there and choke it till it's dead. Well, again, I have an AR-15, so. Well, I'm talking, yeah, I'm just talking if like the monkey and you are just in a room. No AR. Well, then I'll make one. I mean, that's how, that's how resourceful I am. There you go. A trip Crafting to Lowe's and Home Depot. We're in and out. We've got an AR-15 or at least a 50 cal that you can take and put back together with two different Allen wrenches. <laughs> so, okay, human versus monkey. How about like a freaking silverback gorilla versus a Bigfoot? Bigfoot. How about a hundred tiny horses versus Bigfoot? hundred tiny horses. How about a giant duck versus Bigfoot? Giant duck. I, I agree. I agree on that one. You didn't have to ask how giant because you already know that a giant duck would be ruthless. They're scary. It is, it, we have, they're one of the most cold-blooded mammals on the planet. A giant duck? Well, I mean, any duck. They're, they're birds, not mammals. I'm sorry. Well, they're cold-blooded. I don't care. Come on. They're warm dinosaurs. Blood. Dinosaurs are warm-blooded, too. Well, you don't know ducks, my friend. You might think you're a biologist, but I'm telling you that ducks are cold-blooded. They're cold-blooded killers. Well, same difference. So I have I have ducks in the backyard. I have Moscovy ducks and breed them a long time ago. Uh, they're hyper-protective of the kids, and they're one of the ducks that have big serrated bills. They have conkles on their face like turkeys, so they're like, they got all the bubbles of flesh on their heads. And a cat, a barn cat had killed one of their ducklings and three of these big males pin it in the corner, beat it to death and then eat it. So yeah, a big duck's going to win. And they call themselves the aristocrats. Do you, um, do you think that it would be possible to make like a bonsai Bigfoot or like a teacup Bigfoot? Because that's what, if there's one thing that humans are good at, it's at just creating abominations of nature. Genetic so like yeah that you can put it in your purse or bring it on yeah. a plane so 
Yeah, I think we'd have them in a cage, and then yeah, they'd be like four foot tall, like little butlers, and then you'd have ones for your purse. Are we describing a horrible reality right now? I mean, I, I understand that there's probably a bunch of horrible things that happen from point A to point B, but once you get to point B, that sounds pretty awesome. If everyone has little Bigfoot butlers, I don't know. It's it's basically just slavery, but genetically modified slavery. Right, but they also then get to participate in Mountain Dew and Netflix, which I don't. It doesn't sound like they're currently participating in either of those things. See, that's what a lot of the slave masters said. At least they get a house and some food. Oh, so okay. So it just on a serious note, because I know that this is a flippantly rhetorical line yes. of, like we we could just keep upping the ante. But somebody <laughs> made a great point the other day on a show, and now I can't shake this. And the and I. Shout out to whoever said it. I'm sure they're listening now. They're like, uh, that was my quote. Uh, so you were awesome. Whoever said that. But that right now, if you live in abject poverty, and we're not talking about like mental illness, poverty, like, yeah. like Skid Row. But if, if you know, you're, you're scraping to make ends meet, but you've got a Netflix account and you can drink Mountain Dew, you are almost, you know, um, like demonstrably living a much better life of luxury than like a king in the 1600s ever lived because that king still had all sorts of, you know, like they didn't have central plumbing. They didn't have air. They didn't have Xbox. Uh, They might have been able to like gorge themselves and stuff and like not have to do things, but they didn't have near the level of luxury that just a normal person would today. So with that said, if Bigfoot really is out there and they're living in like the complete wilderness sure slavery indentured servitude a little bit of yeah, genocide torture experimentation but at a certain point they become assimilated and acclimated and they can basically play gta 6 with us doesn't that sound like a better like i don't know it feels like that's a better outcome for them than any other outcome that they've got unless it's you know planet of the apes and they kill us first now i think they're just waiting for us to do it ourselves I think they're just going to hang out in the shadows until humans wipe out themselves, and then they'll be like, "All right, we'll start planting more trees again." All plan. What's the age uh, span? Do you think of a of a Bigfoot? I, I think uh, I'm going to guess. You know, just a guess. Eighty to one hundred. Eighty to one hundred twenty years. Uh, just because mammals of our size, and if it, I don't fully believe Bigfoot is a a true primate like us. I think they may be much older organisms as in further back on the family tree, still advanced, just, you know, they split off a long time ago. Uh, so just from mammals, our size and more complex mammals, anywhere from 80 to hundred years. Cause that's chimps fall in that, you know, 60 to 80 years. We fall into you know, 70 to hundred years. Uh, but whales and dolphins fall into that too. Complex mammals, you know, things with language centers and stuff tend to live a pretty good long time. Cause that's a part of our reproductive strategy is to teach several generations. Uh, when you look at stuff like octopus, they're hyper-intelligent and they never meet their parents. They are, it's, all gen, it's called genetic knowledge. They're born with that innate knowledge. Uh, we, have, we have communal knowledge. We have gen, our generational knowledge. So we don't know anything pretty much coming out of the womb. You know, we kind of know where to find food for the you first didn't, year. You did I did. That's fine. There you go. You walked out with a suit. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so those kind of animals that live that need to teach their offspring stuff tend to live a lot longer because they have to they have to first gain their own knowledge and then live long enough to reproduce and then live long enough to teach their offspring how to survive. 
What do you think their gestation period? Because uh, I think humans have one of the longest gestation periods, right? The the amount of time, um, basically between conception and like you're out of the house, go get a job. A like for us, that. it's like at least ten years, right? I think it's like eight years officially. For like, yeah, you're talking. Say it one more. Like the the gestation period of of basically how long is a baby Bigfoot completely uh, defense on? So that's par- like parenting period. Gestation is like in the womb. Just confused. Well, I, I, yeah. So, so yeah, the gestation I, I, period of a, of a human is technically nine months, but again, you can have premature births and, yeah, and th- even it. like after it's born, those other months, I think still counts. I think it's going to be comparable. I think we hit our teens about the same time. I think, you know, we hit our, you know, what we call toddlers about the same time. I think they probably hit that a lot faster. Those milestones on the, the smaller scale, a lot faster, like walking on their own and eating, you know, much more solid foods is probably a little faster turnaround. But then I think by the time they're 10, they're probably pretty comparable to what you can expect a 10 year old human to do as far as our society versus their society. You, know, you can leave them alone, right? You can trust your 10 year old, not to, most 10 year olds. You can trust them not to, you know, kill, kill themselves on accident by eating something. Or doing this, you know, and I think that's kind of where they fall. And then, you know, the teenagers, by the time they hit 15 and they're real angsty, that's what I believe we're seeing these juvenile males that are getting real angsty. You know, they're destroying stuff. They're acting up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm going to say comparable to us. By the time they're probably 15 to 20 is probably the time they start doing their own thing like we do. You know, even in our society, you you live with your parents for a long period of time. But when you're like 15 to like 17, you kind of got your own little world. You're going out, you're doing stuff, you know, you can live away from your parents if you had to. I don't know why you would want to. My parents are in the next room. Um, shout out to my parents. I lived with mine for a long time. It wasn't no ba- I didn't complain. That was fun so money. There, there's so much we can keep going into. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave a little, you know, cream on top, a little bit for uh, leftover for next time. Sometimes the doggy bag tastes better after a, a few days anyways, but I, I can't let us part without asking one final, what sounds like a rhetorical flipping question, but it is not. What kind of dong is Bigfoot packing? Oh, so this is, we actually did a Patreon episode on this because it's a, it's kind of an interesting topic, right? And I really think it falls where they fall in the family tree. Uh, Cause a lot of our, you know, primate ancestors, they have an internal one or, you know, one that's part, you know, half and half kind of, you know, kind of yeah. tell. I've got side. an any Our my family line that we all have what we call any. Uh, come out when of, you sneeze <laughs> from a lot of the sightings that we have, I'm going to say it's either extremely small per body ratio or partially internal because even the ones they say they, they felt it very, you know, it's male, right? It's, they didn't see a member. They just, you know, that's the way they felt. It's muscular. It's how it was acting itself. It seemed very much masculine. Uh, so nobody, and we've had some, uh, one of our best ones on our show is Greg's Encounter. Uh, if anybody, if you listen to one episode on our show, listen to Greg's Encounter. He's a close friend of ours. Uh, he, we never knew he had a Bigfoot encounter until we did the show. He lives like four doors down. And he seen me put a big Bigfoot up in my front yard. And he ran over to talk. His experience was like two foot away. He could have touched it if he wanted to. So just the details he described was the dong ep- or the Bigfoot, the Bigfoot. Well, he would have been two foot away from the dong too. He just didn't see it. But that's why mm-hmm. I was getting to. It's like couldn't have been that big. That's what I'm saying. 
is I don't think it's like hanging by their ankles. I think they'd notice, but it makes sense. They don't have wear clothes. They live outside, right? Uh, it's a very sensitive area and it's very subject to cold. So having, you know, one that would be two foot long and hanging between your knees while you're trying to run through the woods, getting caught on briars. It's a blessing and it's a curse. I mean, what can I say? Um, and this is something that Nate, my my co-host on Reality Zars, brought up. And I don't know. I think he made it up or, or, or he heard it from someone else that made it up. But it's fun to say. But I'm just curious. Have you ever heard this concept that that a human, I guess, female human sees Bigfoot's dong and immediately just be, starts orgasming beyond comprehension, like can no longer mm. like handle themselves physically. They lose everything. And just just a, a feather in the cap here. If you go on Amazon and you search for Bigfoot erotica, there is an insane amount, which I know that this is, you know, circumstantial evidence, but it feels like it's leaning towards this being a real thing. I wish I wish Jay was here because he could go for hours on Bigfoot erotica. Is he is he the Bigfoot dick uh, expert out of you two? Erotica, erotica, yeah. Okay. He's a you know he's he may he's not a writer, wink wink, but he's very passionate about the subject. An avid reader, just not a An writer. Avid reader. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't run across that. I've run across plenty where Bigfoot takes females to mate with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure it makes it easier to catch, right? If they can't run away. Have you ever heard of a humanzy? Yeah. Uh, the Russian Russian scientist, I believe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ilya Ivovich, or I'm probably butchering that name. Do so, you think that has anything to do with Bigfoot, or was that just its own thing? That was its own thing, and as far as we know, it never worked. It would make sense it didn't work, because we're still pretty distant-related as far as viable hybrids. Uh, you could do it with, like, CRISPR now. Like we have the abilities to overstep that bound. He was doing it. Have you ever looked really into those experiments? I, I actually have. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, he was, he was trying it artificial first. Mm-hmm. Like, and then he just let him do it. He had men have sex with chimpanzees and he had chimpanzees try to mate with women. After, yeah, I mean, if, if you're starting out, you don't, you don't bake with aspartame on the first batch. You know, you start with real sugar. Yeah. It just, it never worked. Uh, he claims, I believe, that there was one pregnancy that came of it uh, that didn't make it full term. And I fully believe it was his assistants had sex with one of the ladies that were there. Because if they were willing to have sex with the chimpanzee, I think his shots are pretty good. <laughs> He's scraping the bottom of the barrel. This is like the, the level beyond just like waiting until 3 a.m. when the lights come on at the bar, right? Mm-hmm. And he was going to try, he had a gorilla that he was going to try it with and the gorilla ended up dying. Uh, And he killed like, like 40 or 50 chimps in that whole process. And they didn't know how to take care of them. They were just bringing them in and from a crate from Africa and being like, all right, there's, there's an, there's a woman. Didn't go good every time. Yeah. Not a lot of people know you actually have to at least play a rom-com before you want to bang a chimp. Like they're mm-hmm. actually quite sensitive. They're a lot a smarter than people give credit for. And don't, don't make the mistake of trying a Dane cook rom-com. That was my biggest mistake ever. They want, they want like a legitimate notebook kind of rom-com. So, and I, I did have an uncle that owned an organ grinder monkey. Those things are vicious. Like once oh, they yeah. get past a certain, like the cute age where they're, too small to do much damage then they just start masturbating and biting and that's that's the end of it like there's nothing else that they do beyond that 
hundred percent. So <laughs> I'm glad that we got to end it on here. <laughs> we absolutely have to keep talking, man, because one one side note is uh oh, and before I even forget, I don't know if I mentioned this comic book called Chaos Twins, but there was a uh there was a trick question that I threw at you earlier today. What and was you got it right? You passed with flying colors, so you've retained your street cred. I asked you who would win in a fight between uh, Bigfoot and a reptilian, and here we've got documented proof there we go. It's, that it's Bigfoot yeah. will destroy a freaking reptilian. Um, yeah. And again, we've got the, the proof is right here in this issue of Chaos Twins, number one. But also, there's a, a book that I'm working on with, again, Nate of Reality Stars for the last few months plus. And we're coming out with like a little chick track style pamphlet. I've got these guys. I got the little MK Ultra one, and I've got one called the Homunculus Owner's Manual that breaks down the whole premise of what a homunculus is and all the sightings and all of the documented um usages of a homunculus. Think these things are are thick. This is a thick boy. That's a lot. And we're gonna be doing one on Bigfoot next. And I feel like we've gotten almost every claim or at least all the, the the heavy hitters all like the top tens but i would love to have you take a look through and be like just tell us if we're missing some sure. like really key pages out of that so we'll have to talk after this we will talk after this that and and you're gonna yeah you were gonna send me some some of those patreon only pictures of the uh ivovinich experiments that you mentioned before the show right yeah 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 i'm sending sweet, right sweet. Now. so yeah, to all the Patreons out there, if you want to see some chimps getting banged, we're going to post that on the Patreon. Uh, that is for the $7 tier and up only. Sorry, $3 tiers. Uh, you'll get the photos only. Thanks. But uh, Thanks again. And tell people where to find you uh, yeah. and where to listen to your show. Once again, cryptids, cryptids of the Corn podcast, like Children of the Corn. Uh, you can find us in all podcast catchers. Uh, our website is cryptidsofthecorn.com. Uh, you can get there. We have we have a paid member site or a Patreon because uh, some people don't like Patreon. So we have both options available. They're the exact same thing. So pick whatever one you like. Uh, YouTube, we have documentaries coming out. We just did Hyenas Loose in North America, all the sightings and some of the biology that goes behind that on the Crypt of the Corn YouTube. Uh, but yeah, you can find us pretty much on that. We do a coffee show on Facebook, on our uh, Facebook page every Tuesday at 9 a.m. where we just kind of sit and talk shop with all you guys uh, and Instagram, all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Jay will yell at me later. Cause I always forget something. Well, you know, you're the brains, but you got to have the sidekick around to like, keep the brains in line every once in a while. Exactly. There's too many, there's too many genius ideas bounce around in that head for one person to keep track of them all. So I assume that's the only reason that Jay's around is to, to meter that. Oh yeah, exactly. We'll have you both on uh, again in the future. You can tell I can tell I've got a list of notes here that I want to get into. We'll save them for the next time. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching this uh, this special Bigfoot Dong edition of Paranoid American Podcast. American stickers, they'll make you smile and snicker. False flags and secret societies, all of these and more on our sticker sheets. Explore the unique with paranoid American sticker sheets. Unearth tales of cryptids, cults, and mysteries through each sticker. These won't last long. Get yours now at paranoidamerican.com. 
in the night to cults out of sight each sticker is a unique find get yours now at paranoidamerican.com 